Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for your love to us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We celebrate that today as we uh, come to celebrate you and as we honor these seniors today and these graduates. Uh, thank you, Father, for them and for their families. And we pray your blessings upon them. And we pray that for us as leaders that you give us guidance, strength, and wisdom as we lead in worship today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You join us. Sarah and Kelly lead us in worship.
You may remain standing if you would. Thank you, Kelly Anderson and Sarah Smith for leading us so beautifully. And thank you for being here today. We are glad you're here. We welcome you. If you're a guest, we especially welcome you. And uh, we pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him. We already have. And we pray you continue to feel God's presence throughout this service. For those of you who are guests, there's a guest uh, gift for you out of the Welcome Center. Just go by, pick up one of those bags. The gift is inside. I'm trying to talk fast so you don't have to sing and stand so long here. Uh, but we are glad you are here. We're glad all of you are here. And we pray that all of you in this room today feel God's presence and as we worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank you for being here. Take a moment to greet those around you. And then we're going together and singing, Holy, Holy, Holy.
Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. What a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. The sun is shining. Man, you are singing great. The graduates are here ready to go. This is an exciting time in your lives, in the life of this church. We welcome you here, and we welcome the Holy Spirit in this place. I can't believe that it's already graduation time. It just seems like yesterday that many of you were being dedicated on stage like the babies were last week, and now you're going to be graduating from high school, some of you from college. Uh, what a joyful and exciting time, and also a little scary. But we are so thankful that God led your families here many years ago, some more recent, to be a part of what God has been doing in this church. First, let me share from a pastor how proud I am of you all. And congratulations to each of you. This is maybe one small step for mankind, but one giant step for you <laughs> as you embark on this journey but please know that you have our love and our prayers. And I'm going to speak on this a little bit more in a few moments, but you always have a home at this church. Don't think when you graduate high school or college that you graduate the Lord in His church. You always have a home in God's house. And we want to pledge our love and prayers and support to you both now and always and if you ever need to come to uh, ask for wisdom or advice or knowledge, we would love to uh, invest in you even more as you continue your journey of faith. But congratulations, we are so proud of all of you. And we're going to give you a proper uh, thanks in just a moment. What we're going to do today, I'm grateful that Sue Reno, who is one of our faithful youth leaders who has been working in our student ministry for many years. Sue is going to come to assist today. Sue's going to be reading the names. And Sue, feel free if you want to share some words, you're welcome to. But Sue's going to assist. And when you come up on the, the stage, I'm going to hand you a gift from the church. And then I'm going to invite you to come over and just stand until all of you have uh, gotten up here. And then we're going to show our love for you and and then I'm going to have a prayer over you. But uh, again, we are so glad you're here. Parents, grandparents, we welcome you. Other family members, friends, parole officers, we're glad that you are here <laughs> as well. But that's a joke. Uh, I hope that's a joke. But we are so grateful that all of you are here to share in this wonderful time uh, with our students. So at this time, I'm going to invite Sue Reno, if you would come beside me. Great. Thank you, Emerson. And I have an extra. I heard there was an okay. extra name. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, we do have one. Good morning. Good I morning. am Sue Reno, as Todd said, and I, and I am just one of several of the adult volunteers who work back in our, in our student ministry. And I could stand up here and say a lot about so many of these kids, but number one, I'd be a blubber and idiot by the time <laughs> I was done. And, and secondly, Ellie tells me I talk too much, and <laughs> Eric tells me I, that I talk too much because I don't remember what I've said, and so I just keep saying it over and over again. So I just, we'll just leave it at Todd did a great intro for these guys, but these are 
some of the finest young people that that you will ever you will ever meet and I am humbled and honored to be able to to stand up here as as part of this recognition and celebration of our high school graduates, technical school graduates and some some college career graduates as well. So with no further ado, Ellie, this is for you, short and sweet. <laughs> okay. Our first graduate this morning is Sheridan Ray Bailey. Congratulations. We're going to get a picture over here, too. Stacy's going to be taking pictures, too, so we'll get a picture. Forgot to mention one of our other adult volunteers back here, our own photographer extraordinaire, Stacy Hiles, yeah. Uh, Kaylee Ray Baker. Nathaniel R. Bentley. Nathaniel may not be here this morning. Okay. Allie Berry. Okay. Alexander Dean Clements. There's Alex. Didn't see you slide in this morning, Alex. Eric C. Crittenden. Hmm. Eric's already been giving me a hard time this morning. <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. Knew he was going to do that. Chuck Crittenden. What are we going to do with him? <laughs> Vince Gouge. Okay. Ashby May Hart. Jacob Douglas Hogan. Haley Jane Martin. <laughs> Kyle McElmurray. Dylan S. McGehee. Tyler Darnell Morris. We will thank you, Tyler, ahead of time for your service. It looks like you're going into the Naval Academy. So thank you early for your service, Tyler. <laughs> Olivia C. Payton. April N. Perkins.
Jackson Lee Pruitt. Campbell Choir. Caleb Lee Rainwater. I hardly recognized you without your cowboy hat, Caleb. <laughs> Alyssa Rogers. And last but certainly not least, and we don't have a slide for her because she didn't think she was going to be able to be here this morning, but our very own special Miss Carly Gilbert. So, yes, now, if we, yeah, we'll get a picture with Stacy, and then if you will, just join me as we, as we recognize and celebrate this class of 2022 graduates this morning. I'd love to just have a prayer over you. And I didn't even mention what you all have been through these last couple of years. Uh, you know, virtual learning, mask on, mask off, uh, school maybe, school at home, pajama you, whatever it is. You all have weathered the storm and you have come out, I think, stronger and better than ever. So we're so proud of you all. And I'd love to just have a prayer for you. God, thank you for these graduates. I can't believe, God, how quickly time passes. And Lord, these young people and young adults have endured so much these last couple of years, but they've persevered. They've weathered the storm. And I thank God that this has prepared them for what's up ahead. Life is not easy. It's faced with many challenges. But yet, God, you are faithful. You comfort us, you strengthen us, you sustain us, you guide us, you direct us. And Father, I pray that these young people would always keep in step with your Holy Spirit and that, Lord, you would put a hedge of protection around them and may they know how loved they are by this church, by me, by us. And, Lord, that they always will have a friend that will stick closer than a brother in Jesus Christ. Bless them on this special day. Bless them all the days of their lives. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Class of 2022. All right. All right, guys. Okay. Bless you all.
talk about feeling old. These seniors in high school were two years old when I came here. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Our worship team's going to lead us. I get to ask you to stand again and join. <laughs> Hear our praises.
Every Sunday we do have a time where if you feel led by the Holy Spirit and you're in this place, you can come and pray at the altar. I know many of you pray from your seats. Many of you are praying from home or wherever you may be right now. But wherever we are, we know that God promises to be with us. And as I said to the graduates a moment ago, it's, it's scary. It's an exciting time, but it is scary. And uh, because you're experiencing things you've not experienced before. And some of you are here today and you're going through a scary and difficult time in your life. It might be a health issue. It might be a marital problem. It might be a financial struggle. It might be a relationship issue. But sometimes life can be challenging and scary. But yet repeatedly through scriptures, the Lord reminds us, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And he's with you and me today. And maybe you're here and you want to pray for a need in your life, for a family member or a friend, you want to stand in for him. I couldn't help but think about those victims in Buffalo, New York, of this tragic shooting over the weekend innocent lives that were lost just going to the supermarket. I think about so many others, the people of Ukraine. I think about people here in our own neck of the woods that are suffering. Maybe we don't even know what they're going through. We're quick to judge sometimes and say, well, they weren't friendly or they didn't speak when you might not have a clue what someone is going through until you've walked in their shoes and know the pain they're experiencing. But we know God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. If you feel led to come join me at this altar to pray, I invite you to do so. Won't you come join me as we lift up our prayers together? Come pray with me. May we pray together. Oh God, what a beautiful day this is. How faithful you are, how great you are. And God, Sarah and Kelly reminded us so beautifully through their song, Father of your greatness and of your power and how great your love is for us. And Father, I pray that you would just bless each person at this altar all those who are praying from their seats, people praying from home or on vacation, wherever they may be, may they feel your presence and know that they're not alone because you promise to be that friend that will stick closer than a brother. Father, I pray for those grieving, those hurting. Father, I pray for Marlena Jacobs and the loss of her nephew be with Marlena and Jay and their family as they're grieving over the loss of this young man. Father, I pray for those families who lost loved ones there in Buffalo. Father, we don't understand except that we live in a fallen, evil world. And Father, I pray that they might find comfort and strength 
Father, I pray that prayer for the people of Ukraine, that you would comfort them, strengthen them as they persevere. Father, I pray for others who are going through health issues, depression, anxiety, addiction. Oh God, we know that you can set the captive free. We pray you would deliver them from evil and draw them closer to you. Father, I pray again a special anointing of your spirit upon these graduates and their families. These are exciting times, scary times, but Lord, may they know that you promise to be with us. And Lord, may they feel your power and your love and your peace that passes all understanding. Father, we just pray now that you would continue to move in this church and in our country. We are so grateful, Father, for bringing us through this challenging last couple of years. And finally, God, we're seeing a breakthrough and getting back to more normal times. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, even through a worldwide pandemic. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just bring great revival and spiritual awakening in our hearts and the heart of our nation and our world. Father, I pray that you would just again bless this church and bless every member and every guest and every staff member that we would keep our eyes upon Jesus because there's no fault in him. Father, we just ask that if there are those here today who don't know you personally, that they might come to accept Jesus Christ even today, draw Christians back to you who have drifted away. Father, help us all to renew our vows of commitment to you. Bless now, God, the remainder of the service, the, the musicians as they play and sing, your message, your messenger, and your word. We'll give you all the glory and the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful that the choir will be coming to lead us. And uh, I want to say again a special thank you, Sarah, to you and Kelly for leading so beautifully. Uh, absolutely beautiful song. And uh, I ask that you be in prayer for the choir as they come to lead after the reading of God's Word. Two verses out of 1 Timothy 4, 11 and 12. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in, con in conduct, in love, in faith, and impurity. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
thank you all for leading so beautifully. And again, thank you for being here today. And I always like to start with a little humor. Little Johnny was sitting in church with his mother. And right after the service, little Johnny said to his mother, Mom, I, I know what I want to be when I grow up now. I want to be a preacher. And she said, well, little Johnny, that, that's great. We're, we're so proud of you. What, what made you want to be a preacher? He said, well, I figure I'm going to be at church anyway, so I thought it'd be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit and have to listen. <laughs> there are perks to being a pastor. You may remember the story of a young minister going to visit one of his elderly members of his church, and as he went to visit her, he sat down in a chair, and she was on the couch, and there on the 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 table beside him, there was a, a bowl of peanuts, and, and there the pastor said, do you mind if I have a few? And she said, no, go right ahead. So he was visiting with the lady eating peanuts, and, and after about an hour, he said, well, I hate to, to leave, but I, I can't believe time's gotten away. It's been an hour, and he said, and ma'am, I am so sorry. I've, I've seemed to have eaten all your peanuts. And she said, don't you worry about that. She said, since I had my teeth pulled, I just sucked the chocolate off them anyway. <laughs> There's perks, you know. We've all probably been asked since we were children, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm still trying to figure that out myself. What do you want to be when you grow up? There are many who have answered, I want to be a doctor, or, or maybe I, I want to be a, a fireman. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a coach. Uh, sometimes children say, I want to be a veterinarian. And, and many times uh, we have all these things, a pro athlete. We've all said many things, and maybe you've heard the saying through the years when someone has said, I just want to find myself. Have you ever heard someone say that? I just want to find myself. What does that mean, I just want to find myself? Well, it's when one uh, truly learns the values of life and what they want in life. And many times, the way we find out what direction we want to go is because we've had an example set before us. Maybe it's been a, a mother or a father or a grandparent that we respected and we wanted to follow their example. But then there are bad examples too and sometimes people have followed a bad example and when they've gotten off track and they've begun to do things that are contrary to the way they should be living, we might excuse it by saying, well, they're just trying to find themselves. They're just trying to find themselves. I have to tell you this, not only graduates, but everyone in this room or watching, until you find Jesus, you're never going to find yourself. If you want to know the secret to finding yourself, you find Jesus and you begin a sold-out, surrendered personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're going to start finding yourself. But until then... You're going to be lost and not understand truly the value of life. Jesus gives our lives value and meaning. And he helps us to understand what God's plan is 
for our lives. In our scripture today, we see Paul writing his son in the faith, Timothy. And Paul, on his fourth missionary journey, had left Timothy at Ephesus to really to minister to the Ephesian church. And he was playing the role of a pastor. He was to refute some false teaching that was going on in the church. He was also to oversee the growing church at Ephesus. And Paul had set a beautiful example for his son of the, in the faith, son in the ministry, Timothy. And now Paul's saying to Timothy, you set an example for people. And whether you want to admit it or not, all of us have the responsibility of setting a good example for those around us. And then Paul was even a little bit more specific when he was talking to Timothy. He said in verse 11, command and teach these things. It seems that Timothy had a problem of maybe being timid or lacked confidence. You remember in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul said, For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind or self-discipline. So Timothy must have lacked some confidence. And now Paul was saying to boost that confidence, look, Timothy, you command and teach these things. He's giving him that extra boost of confidence. You command and teach these things. Then he went on to say in verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Well, how old was Timothy? Well, he's believed to have been probably in his mid-30s, maybe even 40. But in this setting, anyone under 40 was considered young. I would agree that it still is young. <laughs> anyone under 40, you're still young. But yet he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. He was dealing with some older people in the church and some elders and some false teachers. And he thought maybe Timothy would shy away. But he said, you stand up, you command, you teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set them the believers, an example. Young people, whether you're a graduate or, or you're starting in the workforce or you're just here trying to live for Jesus, we all have the responsibility to set an example not only for the believers but for the unbelievers too. Because we might be the only Jesus some will ever see. The only Bible is that Christian song would say some will ever read and so today I pray that we would hear these words Paul gave a profound and beautiful challenge to Timothy and to you and me of how we are to set an example in five areas of life and we're going to try to roll through these quickly the first example he said that, that we need to set a good example in speech. In speech. Now, 
Our words are so important. And that's why Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me ask you, graduate, Christian, people longing to have a relationship with God, do you let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? Because if you have unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth, then you're setting a bad example for those who are listening. We have a responsibility as Christians to speak glorifying, edifying words, not to let unwholesome talk. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may be able to give an answer to everyone. We are to allow our words to be tasteful and appropriate. It goes right to my core when I hear people that call themselves Christians take God's name in vain and use four-letter words. It just kills your witness just like that. When people say, well, I thought they were supposed to be a Christian, and yet we're allowing speech to come out of our mouths. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, Paul said that it is improper for God's people to have obscenity and, uh, and coarse joking and, and the wrong kind of talk to come out of our mouths. We are to say words, again, that are glorifying and edifying. You know, I, I play basketball down here in the cross center sometimes and you know we're all human none of us are perfect somebody will let a word fly or something and they'll know you know I'm the pastor and they might occasionally say oh my bad pastor and I say you don't have to apologize to me he's the one you have to apologize to and so if we are calling ourselves Christians our speech must match what we are saying that we are. Do you have a problem? Do you have speech that comes out of your mouth that's not wholesome, it's not glorifying, it's, it's not pleasing to God? Just this past week, my wife and my girls went downtown Frankfurt to Hoggy's Ice Cream. Again, I don't get paid for these advertisements. <laughs> and I was in a meeting, and they said, you want to come meet us downtown at Hoggy's? You only have to tell one Lester, one time that we're going for ice cream and we're there. <laughs> it's just a matter of which one, whether it's Chick-fil-A or Cookout or, or Hoggies or baskin Rock. You know, the list goes on Dairy Queen. If you want to know some more, see me after the service. I've got a list. Well, Kelly said, we're down. I said, they close at 8 o'clock. She said, well, we're already in, but there's a line out the door. So I get down to Hoggy's, and I was just going to eat outside with them. And when I got there, I saw Kelly comforting one of the young employees from Hoggy's out front. She was weeping. And I saw Kelly comforting her. I said, what? what's going on? Well, one of the young ladies' employees had come out of the store to say that the store was closed, and there was a long line. There has to be a cutoff somewhere. So they allowed the people inside of Hoggy's 
to, to stay, and they were telling the folks who were lined up down, I'm so sorry, we're going to have to stop, and at some point we're going to have to close. And, and that didn't sit well with some of the people staying in line. And they started to use profanity to these young girls who they're just trying to make a, a dime and, and give people ice cream. And so my wife, Kelly, and my girls told the lady that was complaining outside she said, you can take our spot inside the store. Now, you would think a, a grown woman would see a young girl or two young girls and a lady and say, no, that's so soon. And she goes, okay. <laughs> and they walked right in and took my wife and my girl's place in line at Hoggies. And then they came outside, and then my wife decided that she would be the police and make sure nobody else came in. <laughs> True story, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> the little girl from Hoggies, who happened to be one of the Hogstons, the owners, she said after everybody left, she goes, you come in here, I'm giving all of you all free ice cream for helping. I said, that's not necessary. She goes, no, I want to do that. I said, can you believe people get that bent out of shape about ice cream? <laughs> and tears your witness all apart. Remember, graduates, adults, people that are Christians or long to be, we must set an example in our speech. Secondly, in our conduct. In our conduct. Well, you think about the way we live our lives. Our actions speak louder than our words. And Paul tells us in first or in Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-seven, that. Our conduct should be worthy of that of Christ Jesus. We should live our lives in a manner that is worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. And so we must allow our actions to reflect our relationship with the Lord. Is how you're living your conduct a good witness, a good example for us? Again, you say, well, I'm a Christian, but yet your friends or co-workers or your family members say, you say you're a Christian, but the way you're living does not reflect that you're a Christian. Because of the way you're talking, you're talking poorly, you're living poorly. I think about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, when Paul was at the end of his life in that old mammoth time, dungeon awaiting execution because of his faith in Jesus and he said for Demas and he was writing again to young Timothy he said for Demas because he loved this world has forsaken me we don't know a lot about Demas but we know one thing he used to be with Paul and was a follower and was committed and now he loved the world more and he abandoned his friend when he needed him the most and he started living for the world. Paul said in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind or spirit. Graduates, adults, everyone, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. So many people say, well, when in Rome, do as the Roman. We're just going to live like everybody else lives. We are called to be different, strangers 
foreigners, aliens. We're called to be different than the rest of the world. And I pray today that our conduct, Paul said in Ephesians 5.15, I've shared this on many occasions, and shared it at a baccalaureate years ago when Andy Stanley wrote a book, The Greatest Question Ever. He said, possibly the greatest question ever was, what is the wise thing for me to do? And it's based on Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with the Spirit. So what he was saying is, don't get yourself in an uncontrolled place. And he was saying alcohol can make you out of control. Debauchery is unrestrained living, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And I pray that all of us here would allow our conduct to be a witness for the Lord. Many people have attributed this saying to St. Francis of Assisi, but many scholars don't believe he's the one that actually said it, or maybe he said something similar, but he said, or someone said, preach the gospel everywhere, if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel everywhere, if necessary, use words. So in other words, what he's saying is, people will follow more our actions than our words. You can walk around all day saying all you want, but it doesn't mean anything if you're living contrary to what you're saying. So we must allow our actions and our words to jive together. And Paul said, set an example for the believers. Timothy was young, and he knew he was going to be faced with these older people and elders and false teachers, and he was saying, look, Timothy, you set them an example in your speech and, and in your conduct. And then he said, in love, in love. Pastor Rick Warren said that love should be our number one priority, and it should be our greatest ambition. You know why? Because God is love. And one of the greatest lessons we can learn in life is how to love people, even those who are unlovable. And that's what we're told in Mark 12, 30, 31, when Jesus was asked, and I shared this last week, what is the greatest or most important commandment? Jesus said in verse 30, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said in those great Beatitudes out of Matthew chapter 5, he followed in verses 43 through 45. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you that you will be the children of the Most High God. We are to love people and to pray for those who are different than us or that persecute us. We are to love them and pray for them. And love goes a long way when we love people. I've told my children, I've tried to practice this in my own life, 
We are to love the sinner but hate the sin. And so many times there are people living contrary. Look, when some of y'all go to college, some of y'all have already been there and done that, you're going to see all kinds of people living all kinds of ways. But we'll never win them by condemning them or telling them how terrible they are. The only way we're going to be able to win them is by loving them and praying for them. That's the only way we're going to see people come to Jesus is by not pounding them over the head and telling them you're awful, but telling them God loves you and we love you too. And God's got a plan for your life. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you love people today? Some people say, I'd be fine in this world if I didn't have to be around people. I'm sorry to tell you, that's pretty impossible. And that's why my friends, uh, or not my friend, but my children, I've, I've told you all this before, I try to be kind and friendly to everybody I meet, and my, my children will say, do you know them, Dad? I'll say, no, I just wave and speak to people. Who was that? And they'll say, you're weird. Because <laughs> I try to be kind and speak. You know what? Let me tell you this, graduate. Loving people and be kind to people will get you a lot further in life than being angry at the world and not speaking to people. Being kind, genuinely, not faking the funk, but you be kind to people and love people and see if your life will not be better. But he said that we must set the believers an example in speech and purity. Love is the, is the bridge. And then in faith, we know that it's important for us if we're going to set the right kind of example to have faith in Jesus Christ. Graduates, parents, grandparents, people here today, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Ephesians 2.8, Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I have to tell you, graduate, you keep seeking the Lord and good things will happen in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. Some people, when they go off to school, lose their faith. I know some people right now that after they graduated college, they never came back to church. Not only that, they lost their faith. I remember even when I went to seminary that I thought I was going to be walking on holy ground and it was battleground. And I went there to get my battery charged and I almost got fried. And I remember going to a pastor's luncheon with some ministers and, and I was telling them some of the things I was learning at the time and, and uh, I remember a pastor saying, well, they're just try professors are just trying to use the shock method of teaching. You are going to have some professors, some of y'all have already been there and done that, got the t-shirt. Others of you all, and I've tried to tell this to my own son, you go into class and they're going to try to do everything they can to stretch your faith or to cause you to lose your faith. And they will try to brainwash you and cause you to doubt who your creator is. And you know what? That's when you dig deeper. That's why you've got to have faith. 
because my pastor at the time, when the other pastor said they're just trying to use the shock method of teaching, my pastor said there's a fine line between being shocked and electrocuted. So you dig into your faith in Christ. And I have to tell you, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was 12 years old. And I knew at that time, I understood that I was a sinner in need of God's grace. And my parents prayed with my brother Tim and me, and we gave our lives to Jesus. And then my oldest brother, Terry, who's a pastor, baptized my brother Tim and me in Elkhorn Creek. And I have to tell you, that was the greatest decision of my life when I gave my life to Jesus. And it wasn't perfect after that. It hasn't been perfect. But I've had a strength inside of me that comes from my faith in the Lord that I can take whatever the world throws at me and you when we are rock solid in our faith in Jesus Christ. Have faith in Jesus, guys. That's the only way we're going to make it through. Don't waver from your faith when you go off to school or go into the work world you keep your faith strong but lastly he said we are to set an example not only in our faith but in purity in purity first second timothy 2:22 second timothy 2:22 paul said flee the evil desires of your youth Pursue righteousness, love, faith, and peace along with those who call out to the Lord with a pure heart. You know, there's a lot of things that try to cause us not to have a pure heart. I mean, so many people put their faith and trust in alcohol in drugs, and sexual immorality, to inappropriate things on the internet, to social media. All these things pollute the purity of your heart. They pollute the, the purity of your heart. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 8, one of the Beatitudes? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If anything or anybody is causing you not to see God, then it's not good. If there is a substance or a person that's polluting your heart and your mind and your soul, it is not good. And I pray that we would allow Jesus to be the one to come in. And when it says, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. When you get rid of all that other junk, then we can see clearly our spiritual eyes are open to see the only one who can truly bring us joy and salvation is Jesus. Not all that other junk. And how many of us have parents or grandparents have not set the right kind of example for our young people? And then when they start going astray, we say, well, I don't have any clue why they're living like this and doing these things when they've watched us our whole lives. And I pray that we would, with all of our hearts, try to have a pure heart so that we can see God working in our lives. Now I want to close by sharing this uh, with you. Several, several months ago, God placed on my heart, my wife Kelly's heart, to have a ministry 
that would be for 18-year-olds to 29-year-olds because I think that's where we as a church have dropped the ball. We lose them. We, we have them, you know, in, in bed baby nursery, preschool, Sundays, all that, right up through youth group, and then boom, they graduate. It was like, that's it. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. So we had a meeting several months ago and introduced this, but we're going to follow through with it. We're calling it the Forks 412 ministry. And it's based on this passage, Forks 412. This passage, do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but rather set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love in faith and impurity. And we're going to begin a ministry of ministering to this age group so we don't lose you to the world. And I ask that you all would pray for and support these young people as they embark, and we would support and love one another because we all need each other. We're in this love together. And I pray that today, if you're here and, and you're an adult and you've never given your life to Jesus, set an example for your child, your grandchild. You've maybe come to church for years. That doesn't mean you're saved. When we're saved is when we give our lives to Jesus and we repent from the things we know we ought not be doing. Or maybe you're here and, and you're a graduate and you've never given your life to Jesus. I'd sure hate for you to face the stuff you're going to face in college or in the workforce Without him, you need him. Let me tell you, we all need him. I know even as a pastor what a challenge it is for me. And for people that don't have a faith in Jesus, I know it's even more difficult. Or maybe you've been looking for a church home. I'm so excited about what God has been doing in this place. People that have come to Jesus, I'm seeing new faces. It's exciting times. That's why for this season we've been doing one service because it's been so healthy for us as a church to worship together and see more people than empty seats that we would heal from this last two years and, and feel the spirit of God and excitement in this place. And we're working toward a second service, but let's praise God for what he's doing right now and just cling to that blessing. And maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd love for you to be a part. Guys, I mean this with all my heart. If I can ever do anything for any of you graduates, you call me. I'm not perfect. We'll figure it out with God's help. And we want to be here to encourage you and to love you. That goes for my wife and myself. And I hope that you as a church family know that too. If I can ever help you or love you or support you, which I've tried to do through the years, Call on me. None of us are, but we are all sinners saved by God's grace. But through his power and strength, we get through it and he gets glorified. May we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are young people or older people or middle-aged people or children that have never accepted Jesus into their heart, may this be the day of salvation, that someone would come and say, I want to ask Jesus in my heart, and then it would be my privilege to pray a prayer to say, Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, 
please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and save me. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. If someone could pray in their own words a simple prayer, God, and mean it, then they would have the hope of eternal life. Lord, there are some Christians that have gone astray. They've forsaken you like Demas did, and they've loved the world more than you. Bring them back today, God, and may they be loved and forgiven. Thank you for loving us and forgiving us when we do mess up. And Lord, I, I can't emphasize that enough to these graduates and to every person here. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we know, God, that when we do sin, that you forgive us. And then you help us to get back on track. May we never forget that, that it's never too late to come home. And then, Lord, for folks that have been looking for a church home, this is a special place. I love it with all my heart. And I thank you, Father, that people have loved me and my family and help us, Lord, to serve alongside of each other and to keep in step with your Holy Spirit as we move forward in faith. And we'll give you all the glory. May we consecrate, in other words, commit ourselves fully to you even now in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're in this place, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Won't you come as we sing together this hymn of faith?
thank you. Would you be seated just for a moment? I am so excited and thankful for these that have come today making their public professions of faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to invite McKenna and Haley to come up beside me. And Mom and Dad, if you all want to come up, you can too. But this is Haley and McKenna and Stacy and Billy Fish. And today, McKenna and Haley come giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, making their public profession of faith. Ladies, let me tell you, this is the greatest decision any of us could ever make because it's the only one that lasts forever. Every decision we make in this life is temporary except for this one. It's eternal. And because you prayed this prayer and invited him to come into your heart, his spirit is inside you, and he's going to give you the strength to do what we cannot do on our own, which is to live for him every day. And I know you want to pledge your love and prayers and support to McKenna and Haley by letting it be known by saying amen and applause. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you. Guys, in a few moments, would you join me out in the foyer so people could just come and give you a warm welcome to this family of faith? But right now, you can be seated. I want to thank you all for being here today. And graduates, again, we love you all. So proud of you. Can't wait to see how God is going to continue to use each and every one of you. I want to make a couple quick announcements. As you're leaving today, there's going to be some students at the door. We're excited that some of our Students and adult leaders are going to be going to downtown Memphis for a mission trip in June. And uh, they're going to be at each door to take up a collection. If you've come prepared, and if you haven't come prepared today, you can do it later. But if you write out a check, you can just, uh, in the memo, put for youth mission trip. And then this Wednesday night at our fellowship meal, Family Affair will be catering, but our students will be serving and there will be donation bins on each of the tables so you can tip them well as they'll be serving. Again, this goes toward their mission trip they'll be taking in June in Memphis. But thank you all for being here today. I'm going to invite you to stand. It's been a great day. Aren't you glad you were in God's house today? Amen. We're going to... And now you're ready to get over to Cracker Barrel Line. So right now... Bill, if you would close us in a song and then I'll lead us in prayer. And I pray you would bless these that have made decisions for you today and others. Where seeds were planted, bless all of our graduates, their families. May they know they are loved and they're not alone. And we give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen.